What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to The Tailgate. I am your host, Michael Quattromani, as always, and I am very happy to have you here. If you enjoy listening to what I say, then make sure to subscribe and turn on post notifications so that you never miss an upload. Also, make sure to check out the podcast on Spotify, you know, if you get the chance, if you want to listen to my voice rather than see me. And make sure to also, obviously, as always, subscribe to my other podcast, The 4 and one which is mainly football to, with me and, you know, two of my other buddies. I will leave a link to that down below. So, I start off this episode talking about, I just want to thank you guys, I really do, just for, you know, the amount of support and, um, you know, just just feed, positive feedback that I received from, you know, the first episode, because I was a little bit hesitant to post it, um, was I hesitant to really start the podcast, because I just didn't really know how people were going to feel about it, but I just really appreciate all of the positive feedback, that's really just all I really want to preface, and I really appreciate, you know, all of you out there who, um, I just gave it a view, just, you know, gave it a chance, so hopefully you stick around, hopefully you like listen to my voice and, you know, like listen to what I have to hear, so uh, anyway, like I, you know, always say, let's leave a like down below if you get a chance, it helps me out, and if you have any questions regarding things that you might want me to talk about, want my insight on, DM me, Snapchat me, text me, whatever it may be, and I can cover it, hopefully in the next episode, because I have, after this one, I have like a kind of like a mixed bag episode coming out, it's just gonna really just be like a bunch of questions that you guys out there have asked me and I'm just gonna go rattle them off and give you know my opinions on them so anyway with all that being said oh almost forgot I got a new microphone I've upgraded from the camera audio uh I like it I think the quality is pretty good so hope you like it too um so yeah, anyway so this episode this podcast is going to be about the top five most undervalued players in fantasy football I'm just gonna give you my overall thoughts on just guys who are being picked in later rounds in fantasy drafts right now that I think should be picked in earlier rounds, and if I were you, I would target them in your drafts because I think that they are going to exceed their expectations this year. That's basically all it is. So I'm going to give you one quarterback, one tight end, two running backs, and one wide receiver. So I'm going to start off with the quarterback because he is the general of the field, and I'm going to start off with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. He's kind of fallen off from the news, if I'm being honest. I mean, he was like a, a big news topic talking point in his you know, rookie season, but he's kind of dropped off because, you know, the injuries and the lack of receivers last season, but we're going to get into it. So right now, Wentz is being drafted in the 10th round of fantasy drafts this year. His average ADP, ADP stands for average draft position. That's in the 10th round. And he is the 12th ranked quarterback out of all quarterbacks um, this for fantasy. And I want to go back to last season, right? So last season, his top three receivers were Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Nelson Aguilar, right? Those three guys missed a combined 24 games last season. 24 games those guys missed. And he still finished as a top eight quarterback in points last year. That's just miraculous to me. I mean, his top three guys missed 24 games, and he still finishes as a quarterback one. Like a low end, obviously, but or maybe an extremely high-end quarterback two. I mean, that's really good. Went through for 4,039 yards last year, which ranked him in ninth in the NFL, which, again, top of the NFL, very solid. He had 27 passing touchdowns, which was fifth in the NFL, and he only had seven interceptions. I mean, he had a good year. The Eagles get a lot of flack, but it was mainly just their secondary, which did come back in the second half of the season. But I just think, you know, they had a relatively tough schedule. And they just couldn't get it done when they had to. But fantasy-wise, Carson Wentz was a, a, a very solid quarterback. I mean, you got to remember, this was arguably the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, right? I mean, 
The Eagles added rookie receiver uh, Jalen Rager in the first round, guy to TCU. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and I think that he's one of those wide receivers in this draft that um, I think that he's going to make a positive impact right from the start. Like, right from week one, I think he's going to be good. I mean, now that I think about it, they're not going to have preseason or training camp or OTAs. All right, I'm going to step back a little bit. By week nine, right, halfway through the season, if we do have week nine, I think that uh, Jalen Rager will be a very solid receiver. Just give him time to warm up because I'll, that's one thing that rookies are going to have trouble with is obviously adapting to teams because it's a shortened offseason. Um, not shortened offseason, but shortened um, you know, just like practice time, I guess, to put it that way. We don't really have a preseason. So I think rookies are going to take a little bit of time to adjust. But anyway... Jalen Rager added to the Eagles in the first round, along with two other receivers that they um, added through the draft. And they also picked up free agent wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, who was previously on the 49ers. So you pair up, you know, first rounder Jalen Rager with a healthy Deshaun Jackson and a hopefully healthy Alshon Jeffrey. He has uh, actually has Liz Frank in, um, in his foot, which isn't good because it can be career altering for wide receivers. But, you know, players have done it before. Uh, if he comes back from that, I think he could be a fantastic receiver. I, I've always thought he was been underrated. Um, but, yeah, so remember, they still have Zach Ertz. They still have Dallas Goddard, which makes a really fantastic tight end duo, if not top of the NFL. I mean, there are not a whole lot of teams that have one solid tight end. To have two is a very rare occurrence in the NFL. So I think the Eagles having that just gives them uh, um, you know, an edge over a lot of teams, just game plan-wise, but fantasy-wise, it's... It's a whole different world. I mean, Miles Sanders, you know, a great, fantastic receiving threat from the backfield, especially hopefully in his second season he takes a step up from his tremendous first year. I mean, nobody thought that he was going to play as good as he did. And I just personally, I just think you should watch Carson Wentz finish as a top eight quarterback this year. I think that he has the whereabouts to do it. I think he's getting his weapons back. And if he can remain healthy for all 16 games, which is a big if because we've seen, you know, torn ACL, MCL injury. It's not... Um, you know, it's not promising, but it's still, it's still, it's not promising, but I think you got to take the risk on Carson Wentz because he has the potential to be the really good quarterback. And in my opinion, I think he has the chance to finish as a top five quarterback in fantasy this year. So, with that being said, I'm going to move on to my tight end, one of my top five undervalued position players in fantasy football, Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle, tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. Doyle right now is being picked in the middle of the 14th round, which is the second to last round in fantasy football, which is nuts. I mean, in my opinion, Jack Doyle is the most underrated tight end in the NFL. Plain and simple. I think that he does not get enough credit for his blocking ability in his catching ability. Just plain and simple. I mean, he's a really good tight end, but his skills were just overshadowed by Eric Ebron. Really just, for all intents and purposes, kind of for like his entire career. I mean, he had, a, he had a few, he had like one good season where he was fantasy viable, but for the most part, he's really just been in Eric Ebron's shadow. But not anymore. Eric Ebron shipped off to Pittsburgh. He's going to be the number one guy in Pittsburgh. And Doyle, now the number one guy in Indianapolis. And this is really, really good. I mean, we saw last year the immediate impact he had when Ebron was hurt. So before Ebron was hurt, Doyle ran 19 routes per game, which is like middle of the pack in um, the NFL for tight ends, uh, towards the top uh, for backup tight ends. But when Ebron was hurt, 
Doyle ran 27 routes per game, eight more than when Ebron was healthy. And that may seem obvious. I mean, obviously, you know, Doyle is the top guy there, so he's going to play more. But you wouldn't think that much more, right? Another important thing is that Philip Rivers is now going to be throwing passes to Jack Doyle. So you might be asking yourself, you know, Michael, why is that so important, right? Well, we saw that Philip Rivers, we saw what he did to Antonio Gates. I mean, he made him a fantastic tight end, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? And we saw what he did to Hunter Henry his first two seasons. Hunter Henry is now not only a really good tight end, but a very fantasy viable tight end that I'd be surprised if Justin Herbert or Tyra Taylor, whoever starts week one, doesn't make a focal point of their offense. Personally, the Colts don't have a loaded offense, right? Outside of T.Y. Hilton, who is shaky from time to time, the draft that Jonathan Taylor have Marlon Mack, but those are running backs. They don't really have another receiving threat. I mean, they drafted a wide receiver in the second round, but Doyle's the second guy there. And I just, I think you should expect Doyle to be a top 12 tight end this year. And that's not crazy. I mean, the stats last year, if you look at them, probably don't speak to what I'm saying, but you have to add all the variables together. I mean, Doyle, now the number one guy. Phillip Rivers is that quarterback who targets tight ends a lot. And they don't have a, a lot on offense. So he's going to be a, not the focal point, but he's going to be a focal point on the Colts offense this year. I think there are just a lot of things that are pointing towards Jack Doyle being a really good tight end in fantasy this year. So, I think he's top eight upside, to be honest. So, for my first running back out of my two, probably my, personally my favorite pick out of the five, I have Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, right now, again, kind of like Carson Wentz, just kind of, you know, going, you know, under wraps, just not being the biggest uh, news point. But, Kareem Hunt, middle uh, of the sixth round right now is where he's being picked. But are we forgetting, like I said, what, what Kareem Hunt was like two years ago? I mean, this guy tore up the NFL, right? And now he's projected to be a flex player in fantasy leagues. That just doesn't seem, it just doesn't sit well with me. And what is, I'm just going to ask you a little rhetorical question. What is the biggest thing in Kareem Hunt's way? Nick Chubb, right? That's pretty obvious. I mean, Nick Chubb is almost led the league in rushing yards last year. Derrick Henry just tore up the NFL in the you know, last quarter of the season, less really last half of the season, and he you know took that. I think Nick Chubb might have been second or third. He's a fantastic running back, and he's probably going to finish top seven in the NFL this year for rushing yards again, but I think there's plenty of room for Kareem Hunt to be a running back too in the 2020 season. So Hunt averaged 10 touches per game last year over the last eight games of the season because that's where he was suspended for the first uh, until week nine. So, for the last eight games of the season, he averaged 10 touches per game. Chubb averaged 19 touches per game over the same period, last eight games of the season. So, Chubb basically averaged double what Hunt had, right? Chubb averaged, over the first 19 games, I'm sorry, over the first eight games, he averaged 19 points per game, which is very, very good. Over the next eight, he only averaged 12.9. That's 6.1 less. That's a lot, right? And the only common... You know, the only uncommon variable there is Kareem Hunt being added to the offense. And he took a six-point as a touchdown less per week that Nick Chubb took in a hit. Kareem Hunt, compared to the 12.9 that Chubb had, had 12.6 over the last eight games of the season. That's only .3 less than Chubb on nine less touches per game. Hunt also outscored Chubb in six out of the last eight games of the season last year. That's nuts. You know, the number one running back there is Chubb, 
But Hunt outscored him in three out of every four games last year. That just, I think that in itself just says that you need to target Kareem Hunt. Not, I'm not saying you draft him over Nick Chubb, but if you're going to target either of them, I would go for Hunt. I wouldn't draft Chubb in the first or second round, knowing the impact that Kareem Hunt has on not only the Browns, you know, offense as a whole, but just taking away from Nick Chubb's touches. I, I On a 16-game average of games where Hunt touched the ball more than 11 times, he would have had 249 points, which puts him at ninth in the NFL for running backs. That's an RB2. That is a running back two, maybe even a very low-end running back one. Kareem Hunt is going to be used a lot like Austin Eckler in San Diego when Melvin Gordon was there. We remember last season, before Gordon was holding out, Chubb, not, not sorry, not Chubb, um, Eckler was a fantastic running back. Then Gordon came back, and Eckler, still a fantastic running back. He, you know, just carved out a role in the offense. And I think that that's what Kareem Hunt is going to do too, because as, uh, if you don't know, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is now the new coach of the Browns, and... If not Kyle Shanahan, I think, who's the coach of the 49ers, I think Kevin Stefanski uses running backs not only the most versatile way, but just the most in general. I mean, he uses them for just for running the ball, for catching the ball, really any way that a running back can play, he uses them. So I think that with a new head coach, I think Kareem Hunt has the absolute ability to finish as a top 15 running back this year. And the stats speak for, the stats speak for themselves. I think he has potential to be top 10. I really do. Um, I just think last year was kind of a sample size in what he could do, and it was only half the season, and all he had was practice. He didn't play in any... So, you know, the games that he was in, they, the Browns were adjusting to his skill set. So they were figuring things out as they went, and his stats went up. And I think that the Browns are going to use that momentum into the 2020 season, and Hunt's going to have an even bigger role than he did in 2019. So, for my second running back of the two, I have Sonny Michelle. Obviously, you guys know his name, Sonny Michelle, running back for the New England Patriots. Right now, Michelle is being picked in the eighth round, which, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, be too crazy. I think that's that's pretty close to where I have him going in reality. I think that he'll he'll go beginning of the seventh round as more of like a flex player rather than a bench player because in the eighth round, that's where you start drafting your bench, whereas in the seventh round, you're drafting your flex players, right? I mean, it's that much of a difference one round. I mean, Michelle was plagued by an inconsistent offense last year. You know, the Patriots just couldn't figure out their wide receivers, and sometimes they couldn't even figure out the running backs. When Michelle was injured, James White couldn't be the, you know, running back that they needed. He was more of the passing back, if that makes any sense. Uh, he was also banged up for a big chunk of the season. He actually didn't miss any games, but he was on the injury report for at least 80% of the games last year, which doesn't bode well, obviously, for his fantasy-wise. But if he's healthy, I see him rebounding back to his rookie year self. I mean, he had a fantastic campaign his rookie year. I think he put up 990 rushing yards. And I think that if he's healthy this year and in the new offense that the Patriots are going to be running, I think he has a really good chance to be able to carve out himself a role. And I think the Patriots are going to have to rely on him a little bit because, you know, this offense is going to be a lot different. And I think they have to rely on more of a run-heavy game just to slow other teams down and just slow the pace of the game down. Because I don't think week one you can give the ball to Cam Newton, give him the full playbook, and say, go. I mean, you could do that with Brady, but Newton, not only a new quarterback, but a completely different quarterback than what you've had for the last 20 years, right? So, Michelle, back to Sony Michelle. Michelle ranked 28th in fantasy points last year among running backs. It's not good, right? But... He averaged a little more than 15 carries per game, which actually ranked him at 13th in the NFL. 
which is very solid. It's, it's higher than I thought, higher than probably you think, too. 13th in the NFL, that's like Le'Veon Bell territory, Melvin Gordon territory. I mean, those are really top-of-the-end running backs um, who... Sony Michelle's in that conversation. But here's the part where kind of turns off fantasy fans. He also averaged 3.5 yards per carry, which ranked him 38th in the NFL last year for running backs. That's the thing. He was ranked below some backup running backs, which isn't good, right? That was a concern with him, but I fully expect him to rebound from that, especially because of the addition of Cam Newton. I can't stress this enough. Because not only does Cam Newton, you know, automatically make Sony Michelle better just by being like, you know, that presence of Cam Newton, but it adds another running threat, right? Which the Patriots haven't seen in defensive, haven't hadn't seen in 20 years, right? I just think that it opens up the offense for Sonny Michel it, because when Brady was under center and, and you're the opposing offense and Sonny Michel's in the backfield, you know that he's either A, blocking, or B, getting the ball and running, right? There really wasn't a, like a, a C option. It was really just A or B. So... Now, with Cam Newton, you have A, Sonny Michel is going to run the ball, B, he's going to block, or C, Newton's going to take it himself, right? I mean, obviously, he could pass the ball, but I, I just think Cam Newton opens the playbook to more, you know, run option plays, you know, pass run option plays, just, you know, play action. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that they can do this year that they couldn't do last year. I think it's going to take defenses some time to adjust to that. But I think the biggest reason to trust in Sonny Michel's improved season is literally because he has nowhere else to go but up. I'm not saying he had a, like an atrocious season last year because if you listen to any of the episodes of the 411, you probably know I bashed him until no end for his lackluster play. But I think he's gonna go a, like he's gonna see a tremendous increase in not not necessarily carries because he was third season in the NFL, but just overall production. I think it's just. Mostly because of the just the offense as a whole, Cam Newton, and just the the new game plan and play style they're going to be turning into, just more of a run heavy team rather than you know Tom Brady's team, which is a lot different. So I think the former first round pick out of Georgia, when healthy, is a great running back who can be a force in standard leagues, uh, and I think he's a viable player in PPR. So if you don't know what those are, standard is more of you don't get a point per catch, which is what PPR is, is you get a point per reception. Um, but in standard, you don't. You just get points for yards and touchdowns, um, which is why Sonny Michel is better in standard because he doesn't catch the ball a whole lot. But if you're in PPR, I still think he's a, a really solid running back to draft this year because I expect Sonny Michel to be a top 20 running back in the 2020 NFL season. I think he has top 15 upside. If the, if the Patriots play their cards right and Sonny Michel comes back as a really viable player, then I think that Sonny Michel can be a very solid fantasy player. So to round out my list for players that I think that you should draft in this year's 2020 NFL Fantasy Draft, I have Deshaun Jackson, who is the wide receiver, not the, but one of the wide receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles, just to round out the whole Eagle uh, trend that I have going on, Carson Wentz, quarterback, Sean Jackson, wide receiver. Again, another player who's really seemed to just fallen off of conversations regarding football. Right now, he's being drafted in the 13th round of the fantasy, of the draft this year. Like I said, there are 15 rounds, so that's second to last, third to last, sorry, which is 
just unbelievable to me. It seems like Jackson's name is being forgotten among fantasy players this year, even though he arguably has the most potential out of any receiver this year, given where he was last year and the year prior. I mean, I made the argument earlier for Carson Wentz, and I'm going to make a similar one for Deshaun Jackson. He was injured last year. Now he's healthy. Let's say Jackson flops, right? Let's say that Deshaun Jackson comes back, and he is, like, fifth on the depth chart, and he gets no snaps, and he only gets, like, a catcher to a game, right? Well, you only spend a 13th round pick, which is basically where a kicker is taken. So... In my opinion, you took a gamble on a player who can be a top 30 fantasy wide receiver for the price of a kicker. <laughs> that seems like a pretty good trade-off to me. In his last full season, John Jackson averaged 12.6 points per game, and that was with Tampa Bay, a completely different offense, which, as we know, was just ridden with wide receivers. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin was on the rise, O.J. Howard was actually a good tight end that year, and Jameis Winston couldn't take care of the football. So... Now you put him in a more secure Eagles offense, and I think he has a lot of potential to be a really good receiver because, like I said before, their wide receiver core was bottom of the NFL last year, and not even just because of the injuries. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is not a wide receiver in three on most teams. Nelson Aguilar is not a very good receiver. Alshon Jeffrey wouldn't be a wide receiver one on most teams, but, you know, here we are. Deshaun Jackson could potentially be the wide receiver two in the Eagles uniform this year and be Carson Wentz's deep threat. For the 13th round in the fantasy draft. Tampa Bay had a crowded wide receiver core. Eagles don't. The path is wide open for Jackson to exceed his floor expectations and be a viable fantasy player. In Jackson's only game last season with the Eagles, he had nine catches in his debut, you know, back to the Eagles. He had nine catches for 154 yards in two touchdowns for 35 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Personally, I think that's all you need to know. In his first game back in an Eagles uniform, he put up monster numbers. That was before getting injured, right? Eagles have one of the easiest schedules for wide receivers. I think it's actually like a top 10, you know, based on fancy points given up to wide receivers last year. Eagles have a very easy schedule this year. I like Jackson personally as early as the 10th round. If you're out there and you want to just snag him right there so you have, you know, no chance of missing him. I think the 10th round is a fine place to get him because by that point, you're building your bench. And I think that Deshaun Jackson, at the least, is a bench player, a high-end bench player. And I think at most, I think he's a low-end wide receiver 2, maybe wide receiver 3 flex. You know, I'm not going to be too crazy he's a wide receiver 1 because he's not. But I think that he can be a flex player, absolutely can be a flex player, especially if you're um, playing matchups and you have a really good matchup with Deshaun Jackson. Plug him in. He is, he is one of the biggest uh, big playability wide receivers in the NFL, and he has a chance to pop off for 40 points any week, right? I expect him, like I said, to be a very high-end bench player, flex potential, and potentially be a wide receiver too. So that's going to wrap it up for today. I'm just going to wrap everything up with a two-minute warning. So started off things. Thank you, guys, for all the support. I do appreciate it very much. Got a new mic. Happy about that. Going to start making more podcasts. Promise you. And then I gave you my top five. Got quarterback, tight end, two running backs, and wide receiver. Carson Wentz. He's got all of his players healthy again. Miles Sanders back for year two. Best tight end tandem in the NFL. And he put up really good numbers last year with bad wide receivers. 
Not much more you can really ask for. Tight end, Jack Doyle, underrated, most in the league. His number one threat last year is now gone. And we saw he played a lot better without Doyle, without Ebron there. So I think Doyle is just going to sneak into that number one role. He's going to be a focal point in the offense, in an offense where there aren't too many focal points. Really good offensive line. Quarterback depends on tight ends. I like Jack Doyle this year. Running back, Kareem Hunt. Tore up the NFL two years ago. Fantastic running back. Nick Chubb declined when Kareem Hunt came back. Browns definitely saw that. Browns got to give him a bigger um, part of the offense this year. I like Kareem Hunt. You know, he has the potential to be a running back, too, if he just gets 15 touches per game, which isn't crazy. You know, 11 carries and four catches, 12 carries, three catches. That's not crazy, right? That's really realistic. Second running back, Sonny Michelle. Patriots, I thought I had to add in some Patriots player, and I do feel like he is being drafted a little late in the eighth round. I mean, it's a bench player. I think he has potential to be a uh, starter, like flex player. And, you know, I think that he just he just gets a bad rap just because, you know, not only was he injured, but the offensive line was banged up from time to time. He was injured for a lot of it. The offense was just, it was discombobulated looking back at it. They had a 12-4 and record, but the team towards the end of the season did not play like a 12-4 and football team. So I think that he's going to bounce back from last year. And to round it out, I had Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver, Eagles, injured last year. People forgetting his name. Has potential to be a wide receiver too this year. There's a lot to like. A lot to like about these players. Um, I think that that is going to wrap it up for this edition of The Tailgate. I hope you enjoyed watching and listening to this episode, and I hope to see you guys next time. Have a good one.